How can you achieve and maintain business growth? Harvard Business School Executive Education is now accepting applications for a new program, Driving Profitable Growth. Taking place in Boston from October 25th through the 28th, this program focuses on business expansion and organizational growth strategies that can lead your company into the future. Learn more about this three-day program for senior leaders by visiting hbs.me growth. That's hbs.me growth. You are Locked On Bucks, your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, we are recording. It is 10.30 on Saturday morning. And I had some people joke that now we're recording an emergency pod every single time a new Derrick Rose story breaks. And I don't think that's the the case because this story broke on Thursday and I don't think you or I, um, maybe it's because we, we don't want to talk about it. Um, but also we didn't get together until Saturday morning. So I refuse to call these emergency pods. Have we done, have we had like, I know we had the one sort of initial like puke all over it, um, pod, uh, so that felt like it's kind of a trip to the ER um, in more than one way. But have we? I don't even. I'm not even sure if we had a second like real conversation about it. But, no, we didn't. Um, we didn't. Yeah, but I mean, I think the you know whether and we'll see. I guess if if a meeting even happens. But um, you know, Jason Kidd confirmed basically uh, at the that golf tournament. Uh, the what is it called? American Century? Is that I, what it is? I think American Century. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers also there, Steph Curry also there, um, Jason Kidd also there, and um, made a comment that got tweeted out by Lance Allen yesterday that um, that Derek Rose, basically Derek Rose has interest in the Bucks and the Bucks have interest in him. So, um, and and I think it's an interesting discussion because I know we kind of just talked about why we just generally do not want Derek Rose on the Bucks, um, but maybe today we can talk a little bit more about. You know where the interest might be coming from, given now we we've Jason Kidd has come out and said it. Um, and then also maybe we can talk a little bit about well, if you were doing this, I mean, we gave the, I think I mean in general we obviously gave sort of the here's why we do not want Derrick Rose. Um, but maybe we can talk about like well, if if this had to happen, um, you know, how could you best use him, and you know what's sort of the best case, and also what's the worst case, um, which probably you know a lot of our loyal listeners can probably imagine given our our public comments, especially mine over the last 24 hours uh, uh, on this uh, on this case. But um, but yeah, maybe we can talk about some of that stuff. And uh, I don't know. I mean, what is your opinion changing at all? Like, are you feeling anything different? Are you feeling it's more likely than than previously? Where, where are you kind of at? So from a starting standpoint, um, I, I thought. <laughs> and again, all of this is probably just the optimist in me that I was thinking, okay, someone else is going to have some interest and he'll, he'll just sign somewhere else and then that can be done with. And obviously that hasn't happened. And I, I guess kind of as is often the case in these type of things, like the longer it continues to happen, the, the worse my feeling of dread becomes essentially. So uh, as the the longer he sticks out there, the, I feel like the the more likely it is he's willing to accept that. Okay, maybe I'm not a starter. Maybe I'm not one of the top options for a team. Maybe I'm not worth twenty million, fifteen million, ten million, five million. Like if the longer he stays out there, uh, I think the the more realistic it feels to me that 
he'd be willing to accept that that smaller role that maybe he feels he's above. So again, I don't, I, I just don't know how real anything is with the Bucks. No matter, and I mean, I said this about Ben McLemore, who's a guy that would would have signed very cheap. I don't know how real anything is until the Bucks move a contract or feel very confident that they can move a contract or know that they have something set up for a trade if they're going to sign someone. So uh, until that happens, I don't, I don't know how confident I feel in anything happening. So uh, I'm just kind of. Again, I don't know if I feel that it's any more likely than it is, other than the fact that he still is a free agent, and I, I don't know if my thoughts have changed all that much, other than the the feeling of him still being out there, meaning the Bucks might be one of the only suitors out there for him, uh, just continues to to drag on. Yeah, I, I I would agree. I mean, I I think I said you know when when the rumor first happens, I I still would have bet on Derrick Rose not becoming actually a Milwaukee Buck. I I'd probably still do that, um, just because of you know some of the downside scenarios, uh, and it, it reminds me a little bit of like I mean there there are obviously some major differences, but um, like last year when when you know the Bucks were sort of linked to Dwayne Wade and they also had no money to really offer him. And I think they basically just went to him and said, well, we got five million bucks or whatever they had at that point. Um, and obviously, Dwayne Wade's market, especially in that market last year, was way higher than than what Derrick Rose's is now. And Dwayne Wade didn't have the off-court baggage that Derrick Rose has. Dwayne Wade, you know, was coming off a really great playoff run. And, and Dwayne Wade has just been sort of like coasting down sort of somewhat. You know, I mean, he's getting older. You know, he doesn't really try on defense. Um, but you can I think it was much easier. Dwayne Wade last year versus this year where, you know, Derrick Rose hasn't been, you know, uh, really, I mean, if you look at the metrics, I mean, he hasn't been an average point guard since he got hurt five years ago or whatever it was. Um, and the stink of New York, him going AWOL, um, his whole civil rape trial case. I mean, there's just like so much going on there. And the fact that he's a guy who obviously kind of like Wade, I mean, doesn't seem like he at this point, I mean, we've never seen him in sort of a secondary role. And, you know, I mean, I know a lot of people were interested in Dwayne Wade last summer. Like, does anybody seriously think adding Dwayne Wade, even with the Chris Middleton injury, would have been a good thing for the Milwaukee Bucks last year? Like, would they have won more games with Dwayne Wade than Tony Snell, who they eventually traded for to basically replace Chris Middleton? Um, I don't think they would have, to be yeah. honest. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and I keep seeing all these arguments, like, around, well, Derrick Rose is better than Matthew Del Vadova. It's like, well, what... Better, I mean, what does better mean in this context? Like, can Derrick Rose yep. torch Delhi in a one-on-one? Of course he can. Is he more talented than Delavidov? Of course he can. But, I mean, it's a team sport. It's 82 games. Derrick Rose plays way less than 82 games usually. He is obviously a guy who has historically been out for himself as far as scoring. Doesn't really make teammates better. Doesn't play defense anywhere close to Delhi or Brogdon or anybody else that you might have defending guards. Um, so it's... It's just kind of interesting because I, I feel like there's a natural inclination to say, let's add guys who are talented, especially if you can get them for, for less money. And, you know, it's sort of this like, well, yeah, I mean, we're we're not we're not a contender right now. Like, what can we do to kind of juice this roster a little bit and, and add some upside? Maybe not in like a young player who might become great kind of way. But like, you know, obviously Rose was a great player once and. You know, a lot of people are going to be seduced by the fact that he scored points last year in in New York as well. So, 
I think it's I think it's understandable, especially for casual fans to look at it and be like, yeah, sure. Like if you get Derrick Rose for not a lot of money, why wouldn't you? And and I would agree as well that I think since the, when this art, this rumor first circulated, I mean, a bunch of guys have signed cap space dwindles, right? Like cap space isn't there's not more cap space now than there was a couple weeks ago. And if you kind of just go down the list of teams out there, I mean, the fact that he's not really being connected with other teams, he obviously was connected with the Clippers, but then they went out and signed Milos Teodosic. Um, they also have Pat Bev. So like, are you going to add Derek Rose into that mix? Um, I'm also, I, I'm also fascinated to know whether or not teams are super interested in him. Cause to me, it seems more like Derek Rose is interested in places, which makes yeah. sense. Like you would want to find a place to play next season. And, Every like everything we just keep hearing is like, oh, Derrick Rose's camp is interested in this. Like Derrick Derrick Rose's people are trying to set up this. And again, like I don't doubt all those things are happening. I'm just, I'm just very curious which teams are like went into the season and had Derrick Rose. I don't even want to say high on a list, but like <laughs> with on the list. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Like with everyone crossed out, like who were the teams that were like, you know what, Derrick Rose could really be a fit if we convinced him of this if he was convinced that his role was smaller if he was convinced that he should not make all this money if we're convinced that he would fit in with our like i'm just very curious which teams like had him in a spot where they would feel comfortable if he takes all those discounts and if he takes and i shouldn't say discounts if he pay, if he if he actually feels that he's worth what he's actually worth like if he feels those things what teams were starting this summer very interested in him so uh, i i'm very interested by that and to talk about your other point too i i don't disagree that the bucks need a point guard upgrade that that's something i think i have been on and i think you've we've certainly talked about it on this podcast months ago that the bucks have one of the bottom five point guard situations in the league like and again that doesn't say that I don't think Malcolm Brogdon's future is bright because it is. And that doesn't mean I don't, I hate everything that Delhi does because I understand the role that he's probably suited to play. Like both those guys can play roles in the NBA, but those roles aren't uh, of point guards in the top 15 in the league, in the top 20 in the league, in the top 25. Like those guys are who they are and the Bucks need a point guard upgrade. So I definitely understand when people say like, well, why wouldn't you want Derrick Rose? Because these guys aren't good enough. So, like, I get that. But to me, as I, as I mentioned when we talked about the possibility of trading Chris Middleton, the one skill the Bucks desperately need is someone to shoot threes off the dribble. And ideally, that comes from your point guard. So if the point guard upgrade you are suggesting to me, whether or not it's an upgrade, if that person doesn't shoot threes off the dribble and doesn't shoot threes at a high rate. I don't want them. Like, like that's not an upgrade. You're not fixing a problem by getting a player who's better at the things that you don't really need. Like you, you don't, re- you don't really need point per game. You don't really need shot attempts at the point guard position. You need someone that can hit threes, shoot a lot of threes and shoot threes off the dribble. And Derek Rose isn't that guy. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't. I'm surprised how much this guy. I mean, I I hear so often. I mean, the main criticism of of my anti Rose stance is, well, the Bucks need shot creators, and I, I would start just to piggyback on what you said. 
the Bucks do clearly do not have shot creating, ball dominating, high usage point guards. But yes. part of that is also by design, right? I mean, yep. and and it's interesting because I mean with Giannis, like point Giannis is less of a thing was less of a thing last year than maybe I think you know it was like after the All Star break in uh, I guess it was 2016, spring of 2016, when he was really just dom- you know he was really bringing up the ball every time, whatever. And and again, like I don't, you know, I think we've talked a lot. Like we don't have a problem with Giannis being used in many ways, including as a, a primary ball handler. Um, so I, I think I think the the bottom line is the, the job requirements remain different for a Bucks point guard. And Rose, I mean, who hit more three pointers in February and March of this year, Derek Rose or Frank Madden? Can you guess who hit more three pointers? <laughs> I mean, you know, you I'm know not sure. I'm not hit. sure you played in the NBA, so I'm going to take Derrick Rose. But I almost well, feel, I almost feel like I'm going to be wrong. He was 0 for 8 in the last two months of the season on three pointers. Eight. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I did not miss a three pointer, guys. I did not miss a three pointer in the NBA last year. So um, yay for me. But but yeah, I mean, Derrick Rose just he didn't even. I mean, he shot incredibly poorly. He was thir- he made 13 threes all year out of 60. Um, he's historically a bad three-point shooter. Like, and basically, I, he just one, stopped even trying last year. He, he was just like, I'm not even going to try to shoot threes. And on some level, it's like, well, you know, play within your lane, I guess. But uh, but it's like on this Bucks team where your best player needs floor spacers and your best player should be touching the ball all the time, you know, like of all the point guards in the world that you're going to want to add, like Derrick Rose, a guy who literally doesn't even try to space the floor, who needs the ball and who's not a high efficiency scorer. I mean, he's creating shots, but he's not making that many shots. <laughs> like, like would, would Rondo excite people? Like, that's an honest question because he gives you the same thing from the three-point line. He well, just, Rondo actually makes some threes. I mean, he's not been a horrible percentage guy. But you know but what I mean? Yeah, like, in, in, in your yeah, mind, I feel, I feel like people would think, like, oh, Rajon Rondo, yeah, he never shoots threes and he's not going to give anything from there. Like, would they be excited about that? And I understand Rondo never won an MVP, but Rondo was a star at one point, and Rondo was very, very good at one point. So does that excite people? Or like when I'm thinking about Ricky Rubio, when we've talked about Ricky Rubio in the past, that's a guy that doesn't shoot a lot of threes but has an unbelievable impact on your team. And every time you would bring up, oh, your team is better when Ricky Rubio is on the floor. It's totally undeniable. He does all these things. He creates for people. He doesn't take a lot of shots. He does all these good things for your team. The one thing I always hear back from people is, well, he can't shoot. Okay. Well, imagine a guy that can't shoot but also doesn't actively help your team and doesn't defend. Like, I don't The disconnect between Derrick Rose and these people, like, it, it's just so fascinating to me. Yeah, I mean, th- this is the challenge, right? And again, it's like the idea of, like, a talented player, a quote-unquote better player, and then a guy who actually is, like, playing the team sport of basketball and helping you win games through the collective, you know, effect he has on a team, on the court, off the court, et cetera. Um, and, and to me, that's just the disconnect is just I don't – I don't see how that archetype of player helps you in the grand scheme of things, right? And and I don't think like I don't think that I, I'm sure if you signed Derrick Rose, like players would probably be excited about it. Like Giannis would probably be like, "Oh, we got a former MVP," you yeah. know, like because players also, and this is also why, like, and, and maybe we can talk a little bit for for a minute here about Jason Kidd's role in this, because to me, this just reeks of 
Jason Kidd wants Derrick Rose, and probably there's better judgment in many corners of the front office that knows the rep on Rose and isn't interested in Rose for the same reason that 29 other teams don't seem to be interested in Derrick Rose. But Jason Kidd, you know, what 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 would make Jason Kidd interested in Derrick Rose? Well, he was good when Derrick when Jason Kidd played. Um, sorry, but that's you know players players they they remember you know Jason Kidd remembers playing against Derrick Rose when he probably had a really hard time guarding him. Amina Hassan uh, likes to use the the Doc Rivers decision tree. I, I don't know if you've seen that where it's like, was he good when I was coaching the Celtics? Did he beat the Celtics? Was he on the Celtics? Like, that's kind of the same thing we're talking about. And, yep. and this summer, he's joked about it too with the Tom Thibodeau. Like, the okay, what guys does did Tibbs see his team get lit up by? Like, which t- guys did play like played well for the Bulls or whatever it may be. So it's kind of that that same type of thing. Yeah, and and players and I thought I heard some interesting comments. It was about Jason Tatum and uh, during summer league. And obviously Jason Tatum's very very talented guy and uh, this isn't like this isn't meant to d- dissuade anybody from liking Jason Tatum, but um but it was a discussion around how players like I think there was some some thing where where current NBA players were all talking about how Jason Tatum looked incredible and how he was the guy out of summer league that people really talked about and I saw the commentary. I was like, well, well, players really value, like from an eye test perspective, guys who make difficult shots, you know, guys who can make turnaround jump shots, guys who do things where you defend them really well and you still don't stop them. And I think there is a lot to that. Right. And Jason and, and Derek Rose obviously has that where he makes plays even today. Right. He got to the I mean, it's interesting because he doesn't take he doesn't get to the, he doesn't get free throws, but he gets to the to the rim pretty, pretty mm-hmm. regularly. And he shoots tons of mid-range jump shots. And he's pretty good at mid-range jump shots. But again, you know, if that's your primary shot, you're not going to be efficient, right? And Derrick Rose has been below average in terms of true shooting for, you know, basically every year since he got hurt. Last year he was a bit better, but still below average. Um, and and I think that's the thing, too, is that people value guys who, who like, look difficult to guard, <laughs> look difficult to guard, right? Like, Delhi clearly is, like, the exact opposite, right? Like, he just doesn't, like, he'll have, you know, two plays a game where it's just, like, <laughs> This guy looks like he came out of a you know a rec league, you yeah. know, where he'll just like it's like whoa, oh geez, don't don't shoot that. Um, <laughs> so it's so it's interesting. So I mean, I think this to me, and and again, I'm 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 projecting a lot of this just based on some of the chatter, but to me, it seems like a lot of this comes down to Jason Kidd. I'm sure is in the. I I would have to think, especially based on the commentary yesterday, the fact that he publicly stated the interest in Derrick Rose. I, 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 this totally feels like a Jason Kidd move, right? Because he's a guy who used to be good. And so the Doc Rivers coaching tree or decision tree would say Jason Kidd probably likes Derrick Rose more than the average person. Derek, Jason Kidd is, is not aware of Derrick Rose's RPM being a pile of garbage and, you know, that, that stuff yeah. like that, right? Um, Jason Kidd, we know, doesn't care about three pointers as much as like any normal front office executive would in this modern day and age, right? He, he probably is like, Oh, but he's really talented. Okay. Used to be an MVP. Um, and also, I mean, Derek Rose's shady off court stuff. uh, And again, was not criminally convicted. was not criminally indicted on this gang rape case that he had faced a civil trial for last year was not found to be civil, civilly liable. Um, but you know, again, like, as we've said before, like if you, if you, if you might not want to read the transcripts of what Derrick Rose says and sort of talks about like the behavior that went around that night, regardless, because if he ends up in Milwaukee, you're going to have a harder time rooting for him after you read that stuff. Um, 
and and unfortunately i have <laughs> i did read it last fall and it's it's not it's not something i mean i don't even want to like laugh talking about it in any respect because it's just it's just you yeah. know i mean this is like real life stuff it's not basketball it is not fun regardless yeah. of what happened and it's just not you know as again i again i i I think I couched it last time, but as a fan, I just don't like that, that stuff and him walking out on the Knicks AWOL last year and just like generally sort of just like the joyless way he's gone about his business. He, I don't know. He just doesn't seem, he seems like an aloof guy. Like, and again, I'm not saying that he's like the worst player in the NBA off the court or like, you know, whatever, like I'm sure he's gets along well with many of his teammates, blah, blah, blah. But, um, but he's just not a guy as a fan I want to, I want near my team. I don't want to root for a guy like that, um, especially on a team where everybody's talked about, you know, Buck's DNA and, you know, character and all this other crap. It's like, well, you're punting that out the window. If, you know, if you're going for a guy who doesn't play defense, doesn't have length, doesn't, you know, bring that like clear, strong off court stuff. Um, but anyway, I, I, I digress a little bit there. But Jason Kidd has had his I mean, it was at this point, like, you know, in, you know, in the late 90s. But I mean, Jason Kidd has and, and I know I know. I have at least one friend who basically isn't really a fan of the Bucks since they hired Jason Kidd because of the domestic violence stuff that he had when he was in Phoenix. And that was a long time ago. I realized that, you know, but that that he was criminally, you know, liable for that. And, you know, Jason Kidd also knows what NBA players are like. And I'm sure that many NBA players that we think are good guys probably do really, you know, shady off court stuff that might not be illegal. Um, so, Again, maybe I'm naive in, in holding that against Derrick Rose, but whatever. I'm a fan. I'm a person. Like that. That's just the way I'm going to function. So I also imagine Jason Kidd probably feels like, well, he knows Derrick Rose. I mean, he's played with him. You know, he's was an elite. They're both elite players. That probably doesn't really scare him as much as as some people. Jason Kidd probably doesn't care from a PR perspective that you know there are going to be women and people with kids who feel like that's not a role model I want on the court and men too. Uh, obviously, we're talking about it. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, this feels like a Jason Kidd. This feels like something Jason Kidd would be in favor of. And to me, I think this is an interesting referendum because obviously there's been all the talk since John Horst came into the GM job about, you know, is Jason Kidd going to push him around? Is Jason Kidd really going to be the guy, you know, getting what he wants? All this stuff. And to me, this is an interesting referendum on that because if I was John Horst, I would be, you know, when Jason Kidd asked me, hey, or how's the salary dump coming so we can get Derek? I would just be like, oh, man, I'm calling everybody. Uh, everybody wants five first-round picks to move John Henson. Just can't do it. Oh, just so hard. Can't do it, Jason, because, you know, you know, that's not Jason Kidd's job to actually go find the trades or whatever. At least we hope he's not making calls. Um, so anyway, so I just imagine this is as a really interesting kind of litmus test, an interesting referendum on sort of the power structure of the Bucks front office. Because if Derrick Rose is signed, then I would I would say that feels like a Jason Kidd move, and you know, or or maybe just John Horst has judgment that I strongly disagree <laughs> disagree with, which is I don't know which one of those is worse, the Derek or the Jason Kidd is really running things uh, scenario, or the John Horst just has bad opinions or opinions that I fundamentally disagree with about basketball. Um, but that that's probably one of the kind of underlying things here that. Um, that uh, that that I think is interesting to watch because you know again I mean on some level like the mere fact that the Bucks continue to be linked with Derrick Rose and nobody else really is um, that's probably a red flag on its own but um, obviously ultimately if they don't sign him then that also says something about who has who has power who has sway um, but but we'll just have to see how that 
takes out. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a very interesting point because it would be awfully tough, I feel like, to convince people that, okay, we have this guy that is a cap expert, a guy that has full power of the organization, a guy that isn't bowing to Jason Kidd, that is standing strong in, in his resolute beliefs, and then go out and sign Derrick Rose. But if all of that would be true and they still signed Derrick Rose, then you would have a you'd have to have a very serious conversation about John Horst's decision making, right? Like no matter what, if that signing would occur, that would be a bad sign for I mean, really, I think anything about that front office. So uh it it's it's really going to be an interesting spot. But like you said, if they get out of this and <laughs> there's like not a signing and there's just like this idea that they were in some way connected to Derek Rose throughout the summer well I think a lot of that could be created by an agent and uh, I think a lot of that could be hit Derek Rose's camp trying to kind of drum up interest in a player that seemingly doesn't have a ton of interest around the league so if they they don't sign him then okay then then maybe the the people that should be in charge are in charge and I, I don't know I, I think if if they would sign Derek Rose I think they're really liable in opening up Bucks fans to project pretty much anything they want into this front office and uh, obviously that's something that we've talked about in the past and whether or not every fan base does that and has their own conspiracy theories about what's going on but uh, I think in this case it would be it'd be very warranted so uh, I guess we'll kind of have to see what happened there so we talked about best case and worst case before um let's finish off worst case because I think we've we've found ourselves going down that road uh, a little bit more than best case but I guess worst case on the court I think we kind of have talked about it but I really do think that when you're looking at worst case on the floor we talked about how at the point guard position he doesn't really he does things better than the other two uh, on the currently on the roster better than Dalian Brogdon but he also does things worse like he doesn't shoot threes as well as them um, he d- takes more shots than them he's had a higher usage rate than them um, I, I think when you're thinking about the worst case scenario for Derrick Rose on the floor it would be Derrick Rose believing that he's 2011 Derrick Rose and you know you know what I don't even need to go that far believing that he's 2016-17 Derrick Rose with all the shots that he took in New York um, with all the usage he had in New York like if he still believes he's that guy I think that I mean it'd be really tough to convince me that there'd be a positive there for the Bucks, like for him to take that many shots because that means that's taking shots away from Giannis from Middleton, I mean, even from a guy like Thon, who isn't going to take a bunch of shots, but needs to kind of keep increasing his shots and and increasing his workload. Like, I think all those things would be bad. Um, I I think him in the starting lineup kind of makes things a a little bit more difficult. Um, I'm trying to think of other worst-case parts of that, but um, I guess you can hop in. Well, defense, right? I mean, the Bucks were an above-average offense last year, right? And they were a below average defense. So, you know, I mean, we can argue about the, the importance of point guard defense. But, I, I mean, in today's NBA, I mean, so much of the game is is high pick and roll based that, you know, if you have a guy who just is giving 5% less effort, mm-hmm. um, 
then it matters. I mean, it, it can make a difference. And the Bucks aren't a team that are in a position to, you know, add negative defenders who get get big minutes. I mean, that, that's that's not going to make you a good defense. And I think they have the raw materials with the current projected starting lineup in particular, and even with you know some of the bench guys. Really, you know, other than Monroe, who who did pretty well defensively by his standards last year, they have the raw materials. I think to be a good defense. I mean, I think. Jason Kidd is is going to have a lot of explaining to do if he's not doesn't have a top ten defense this year. I, you know, straight up, like I, you know, they were what nineteenth yeah. last year, and if if without Jabari Parker, you know, like the whole convenient Jabari Parker excuse, it's going to be gone. Like there's going to be no excuse for for the first sixty games or whatever of the season. Like he's going to have, you know, right now, God willing, everybody's healthy. He's going to have Giannis, Chris. He's going to have. You know, Fon playing big minutes, and we know what he can do defensively. Malcolm Brogdon, Delhi at the point guard spots. Um, you know, Tony Snell and what he can do defensively. You know, we'll see. Maybe a Sterling Brown can offer something. Um, I, I mean, I just think there's like at this point, like you know, we know that we've we've done all the the discussions around the Bucks defense, and you know, if you know, I'm sure that part of the part of the problem is that it's easy to talk yourself into well it requires so much like timing and you know experience together that well we just got to play a little bit longer and then it'll start to pay off and you know again the the challenge is well there is always flux in the nba like there's always gonna be roster turnover the bucks right now have had remarkably little basically like no roster turnover um and so if, if at this point your defense still can't you know work at a at a very high level then you know what? What are you deluding yourself with anymore, right? So anyway, it'll be interesting to watch. And Derek Rose clearly is, is not going to add anything defensively. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to say he's anywhere close to the defender that that Brogdon or Delhi is. Um, and and so you know, again, I don't want to say like, oh, that's 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 half the game and whatever. I mean, again, especially for a point guard, offense I think is more important. But if you have a guy, especially on this Bucks team, where the def- where the point guard position is really not asked to be, you know, the primary facilitator of the offense with Giannis I think that's that's pretty important and like you said I mean people keep saying that well it's like he's better than Delhi. it's like well great Delhi's on your books like you you can't you know <laughs> yeah like you can't just wipe away the Delhi contract so what are you going to do about it you know and I think this is one of the things and this kind of gets in the worst case as well but the thing that scared me the most was like this idea that initially like when when the initial discussions were around that Oh, the Bucks are going to do a sign and trade, and you know if the Knicks are involved, then you never know how dumb stuff could be, and maybe they, you know, maybe they wouldn't have had to give up a pick, but it certainly seems like they would have. Yeah. So this idea that like not only are you going to add Derrick Rose, who we've raised all these concerns about, and how he fits and what he would mean for locker room, like you know, again, it's like, is he Anthony Mason 2.0? I mean, that 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 would that's like my first parallel. Totally different types of players, but again, you know. Every time the Bucks are good, they get rid of their kind of key veteran glue guys, and they try to get cute and add guys. You know, Anthony Mason in what 20, 2002 or two thousand one, I think that was when he secondly signed. Um, you know, Drew Gooden and John Salmons getting those big contracts. Salmons was already there, but uh, you know, you get rid of Kurt Thomas and Jerry Stackhouse. Um, Jared Dudley and Zaza are gone, right? Um, you know, it, 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 and and now it's just like. You know, and, and again, it's like people I'll say it and people are going to be like, that's crazy or some people will. But it's like I would rather have Jason Terry on my roster than Derek Rose. Like, I think my team's going to be happier, better functioning, <laughs> like try harder, have better work ethic. Yeah. And 
what am I, what are you even, what are you even trying to do with Derrick Rose? Like, what is your grand ambition with Derrick Rose? Like, it's just to try to win. You, you hope he's going to help you next year, right? I mean, it's not like there's some Derrick Rose is helping you win a championship in 2020 or whatever, right? Um, that, like, I don't, I don't think anybody's doing that. And I'm fine with using kind of small signings around the edges to, to try to, you know, juice your roster for, for sort of the short term. Again, I don't think, you go into a free agency thinking you're going to have to find the guy who's going to be part of your core five years from now. Like this is not how a free agency tends to work with the ages of players. But um, I know it's just kind of a bizarre like I don't know, to me. It just it just seems kind of short sighted. And from a financial perspective, let me just get back to this quick. So, pre, you know, when this all this started, the road, the, the Knicks still had cap space. They could sign Derrick Rose, trade him to the Bucks and take stuff back. That probably would have meant a first round pick. OK. Which would have been, I mean, that, the idea that you would give up an asset for the privilege of adding Derrick Rose. I mean, if that happened. That is some poor asset management. That is some Vlade Divac and, and Sixers pick swap type shit. Okay, like that is like cause for like termination. Like if you're thinking I need wins next year so badly, like not only are you misled into thinking Derrick Rose is like the magic ingredient to this up and coming team that isn't going to win a championship next year anyway. Um, that you're willing to give up long-term assets, and don't tell me that. A, I mean, don't tell me that a first-round pick when the Bucks are like hopefully decent isn't worth anything. Like, just don't talk to me because you're you're not like you're not in the modern. You're not in the way that the <laughs> league works these days with you know the cap the way it is, the Bucks salary cap the way it is, et cetera. Like that that would be just disastrous. Um, and so it's important to know. I mean, the Knicks now. They had to use up their cap space from from everything I've seen. They had to renounce Rose's um, bird rights in order to sign Tim <laughs> Tim Hardaway. It's like its own funny story. Um, so the uh, the sign and trade no longer. I, I'm not. I don't think a sign and trade is even feasible at this point. Um, from from everything I gather, but really it doesn't matter because I mean the Knicks didn't want Derek. <laughs> the Knicks don't want Derek Rose. Like the Knicks. Um, and and you know realistically like. It's really just about a salary dump that would be totally separate from signing Derrick Rose at this point. Like if, you know, Chris Haynes, the story from ESPN, who's the one who um, reported that there would be some a quote unquote meeting in in L.A. Whatever, you know, and again, maybe that's Derrick Rose hanging out with 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 Jason Kidd after the golf tournament or something like that. Well, let's just make it clear. Chris Haynes's story says that representatives for free agent point guard Derek Rose and officials from the Milwaukee Bucks are in discussions to schedule a meeting as early as this weekend. <laughs> so not that it's not a, a, a report. It is, but it's very noncommittal on the details of any of that meeting. Yeah. And so let's just be clear. So I, I keep seeing people trying to, this is like the favorite, like this is now like the way, you know, like the, the, however many stages of, of grief there are. What, what is the thing? I think Paul Henning was joking that he's moving on to stage five grief, like the 12 steps to yeah. recovery or whatever it is. You know, coping, I think, you know, the, what are the coping mechanisms that people use? I, I, I see a bunch of people saying like, well, if if you're able to like get rid of Henson and then sign Rose, like, I mean, that's still not bad, right? It's like, they're totally like separate transactions. Like if you can, <laughs> first off, I don't think you can trade John Henson for, for nothing or for a second round pick, you know, like yeah. at, at this point, you know, and things evolve as the summer goes on. If somebody like, you know, tears their, you know, if a big man tears his ACL next week, someplace and some team decides they need a, a center, like maybe something changes, but a full salary dump is, is not like something that's going to happen with John Henson, unless you attach some kind of positive asset to him. And again, like the idea that you would attach a positive asset to John Henson, give up future stuff of any kind, first round pick, whatever it is, in order to get Derrick Rose for this year is just like, 
what game are you, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Like what, what? No, don't, no, do not do that. But, um, I was also going to say, we need those, to, we, those two things don't need to go together. No, they're totally separate. Like if you can dump John Henson, you can just dump John Henson Correct. and then you can, you can just say, you know what? We're not going to do anything. We're just going to be under the luxury tax and have some flexibility. And guess what? You have a $5 million trade exception. Yeah. Suddenly, if you get rid of John Henson, you could actually go and use your $5 million trade exception, which actually now actually probably has some value because so many teams are looking to dump salary. You may actually be able to get a, a decent player to play on your team through a trade exception. You'd have the full mid-level, or sorry, not the full mid-level because Sterling Brown's $815,000 first-year salary comes out of that, but you'd have like seven and a half million or something like that that you could go spend uh, on the on, on the market and for the love of god like don't act like derrick rose needs seven and a half million because nobody's probably offering him more than like three four or five million um but yeah i mean they're totally separate like you don't have to do you don't have to like you know john like derrick rose doesn't enable john henson to be traded for nothing right first off you probably can't do that anyway but like they're totally separate things so you don't have to do totally good separate thing. And the bad thing, like, don't don't rationalize that way. I know that people might say, like, well, on net as a fan, maybe I'd feel better about getting Derrick Rose if I also knew that this other salary was disappearing. But first off, if the salary is disappearing, you're probably having to pay to do that. And if the payoff to doing that is signing a guy for a few million bucks or giving him more money than he would get now, you know, like like Derrick Rose is too good to play for three million or whatever it is. You got to pay him seven or whatever it is. I mean, come on, like like. No, Derek. Like, go get your seven million from somebody else if you really, if that's really your quote unquote market. Like, um, and that was a funny part too. When when the rumor first came out, people were like, "Oh my God, Derek Rose wants a max contract." Great, I want a max contract. That doesn't mean I would take one anybody. too. You would take one. Um, you know, the market is just there's no there's no market for that right now for for Derek Rose and teams cap space is evaporating. So again, I mean, I think probably five million is the upper upper end of his range, which. You know, again, if you could get if, if if a veteran team got him, I would actually, as a basketball fan, like to see him on a team like the Spurs. I think I mentioned that before. I would like to see him on a team where, especially if he was in like a six man role, which maybe we can start to get in our best case kind of scenario. But um, I, I think that would be actually interesting to see him playing for, you know, a a really good coach who's like has control of a locker room who could kind of put him in his place, use him as like a six man and try to turn him into the player that. I think a lot of fans are kind of looking at what the Bucks are doing and like hoping that like, well, maybe if he signed here, maybe he would be that like six man score and he wouldn't demand to be a starter and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, but just to kind of finish out the cap stuff. So no sign and trade at this point. Totally separate transactions. If you trade an asset to make room to pay Derrick Rose a bunch of money, that's stupid as hell. Um, and just just for the math, though. So. The the wor- the probably the best case scenario of Derrick Rose signing from a cap perspective is you do the thing that we've been talking about a lot, which is stretch Spencer Hawes. That wipes off four million off your book. If you waive Gary Payton, you'd have thirteen guys in your roster. You'd be at one fifteen point three, according to my cap math. Uh, the luxury tax is one nineteen point three, so you'd have like four million to play with. So again, you could sign another minimum guy for you know under a million for your 14th spot and you'd still have like 3 million bucks to go spend to give Derek Rose, which is probably the best. I mean, to me, like, you know, like what is, I mean, if, if, if a million dollars matters a lot to Derek Rose, he probably has bigger problems. Cause I mean, what his shoe deal was worth $200 million. He's made an absolute ton of money during his career. Like it's not like he's a guy who, who you would think would need to, to, you know, get that extra little bit, um, on the margin. But, 
Um, you know, he's really, I mean, he should be in, in career sort of reparation mode at this point, like go, you know, he's made $117 million in his NBA career. Like he should be just trying to find a good situation, right. Where he's going to play and he's going to be able to look better. Um, so to me, like that would probably be the least damaging scenario for the bucks is if you can get him for, let's say a little under 3 million, you can go sign another guy to a minimum. You wave Hawes, um, you, uh, you, you know, you Gary Payton second me, potentially if, if Rose signs for, 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 you know, under 3 million, you might, you can probably figure out a way to even keep Gary Payton the second, um, as well, or, or sign another free agent. Like, I don't know, Jason Terry. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, all right, I'm done. I'm done with worst case. Are we done with worst case? Did we cover it all? If we didn't cover it all, Frank, then I'm not sure where else we could really go, but um okay well i guess that we didn't cover like I, he, I he could be, he could be injured like he yeah. could get injured yeah, we didn't even we haven't even talked about that like, out. yeah but i mean basically i mean injury injured derrick rose to me is preferable to to playing derrick rose but um best case so i just outlined the best case scenario from a financial perspective okay you sign him you don't have to you know you don't have to do anything else to kind of enable that you stand with the luxury tax because you're paying him so little um if you can go Salary dump John Henson without giving up an asset, great. You can do that anyway, but realistically, again, in no way should that be paired with trying to get Rose. But lay me out what you would say from an encore perspective. What would be, if Derek Rose signed in Milwaukee, what is the best case scenario um, for what you would see on the court? All right, so we're going to take some jumps in logic here, but that's okay. So let's see. If Derek Rose is signed to the Milwaukee Bucks, he is taking largely Matthew Dellavedova's role is is that how I'm supposed to understand that right like Brogdon will still be the starter and Delhi would be uh relegated to the third point guard spot which largely wouldn't play so Derek Rose last year shot 15.3 times per game Matthew Dellavedova shot seven times per game so I'm I'm not going to even go to the point where I'd say Derrick Rose needs to become Delhi because, I mean, Derrick Rose would just never, like, that, to me, that's a bridge too far. Like, that, that is just not a thing that's going to happen. So, I'll cut Derrick Rose down to 10 shots per game. He would need to take 10 shots per game, I, I think, to actually fit and not feel like he's actively hurting you and taking shots away from players that you feel would would need those shots so let's go there um i guess he could revert back to i mean in chicago he was shooting 29 percent from three um and actually taking it and actually taking threes 15 16 season was 2.3 three-point attempts per game at 29 percent i guess you could go back to that that would be uh, best case, um, I'm trying to think what else. I guess ideally he would understand that he's the sixth man, that his role is to come off the bench and try to score a little bit, but also still get Greg Monroe the basketball because Greg Monroe is I, I'm not I'm good in that role. Like I, I don't think that's that's a stretch like i think he's legitimately good as a six man and as that scores so let's say he's able to go out there and play make and create and work with greg monroe and allow that to happen um he's passable on defense he 
I'm trying to think of uh, chemistry wise how how things work. Like I, I guess he would just have to totally understand that his role is not to be the team's best player, second best player, third best player, fourth best player. Like that's not his role. He's supposed to be the fifth or sixth best player, and he's the sixth man coming off the bench, help fill it up, and I think that's about it. Like I and again. I, I'm really not trying to be as condescending as I'm sounding right now. Like I just really struggle to think of a best case scenario for Derrick Rose in Milwaukee. Yeah, I think it, and and I don't know, I don't know if he would be a six man in reality. Like I, I have no idea. I'm not sure if, who knows, right? Like Jason Kidd might say like Derrick Rose is way better than these other point guards. He should start. You know, I, I clearly don't believe that that's the case. So but that would yeah, be would, best case, right? That's the best case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I just want to make sure that I don't think. Like I think a lot of the people who are trying to talk themselves into it are like using that angle justifiably, um, but I don't I you know I don't think there's any guarantee of that. Um, but yeah, I think the best case is Derek Rose comes in, plays twenty to twenty five minutes, basically gets Greg Monroe in terms of like becoming a six man. Um, he cuts down on his shot attempts. Um, I mean, I don't even know if like he's so bad at three pointers historically that. I don't even know if it matters if he like shoots three pointers or not. You know, maybe he's he's at his yeah. best not shooting threes. I mean, last year he was more efficient from a true shooting standpoint than he was in previous years and he didn't shoot threes. So again, for him individually, maybe it is better to to just be you know taking mid range jump shots and trying to attack the paint. You know, I mean, he has he's always had a good floater game. He's always like shot relatively better from sort of those in between areas that most guys are not efficient in. Um, which is you know was part of the reason why when he's really good. That he was still pretty efficient, in spite of the fact that he couldn't shoot three pointers, um, and he's never been really a, a great at the rim finisher either. Like he he maybe gets to the rim more, but then that comes kind of at the trade off of he finishes at a worse rate than kind of a lot of a lot of guys. And let me, I, mean, I have his I have his basketball reference page up for a moment here, but um, but I think the best. Um, let's see, last year he shot fifty six percent at the. Uh, at the rim previous year, only 51%, um, which I mean, these, those are not good numbers, but again, if the argument is, well, he gets the rim more then then that would obviously be, I guess, part of the, part of the argument. Um, and he is like from three to 10 feet, he shoots 44% from 10 to 16, 43% in his career, 16 to three point line, 41%. He was 46% last year. So he, he's kind of, and, and that's kind of common for guys who are like star players, right? Is that, you know, and you, in, in the valid part of the shot creation argument, right? Like if I think, if if the argument with Derrick Rose is I don't trust Giannis to be a late game closer, I don't trust anybody in our and this team currently to be able to score in crunch time when the Bucks have historically been bad, and I just want to run Derrick Rose pick and rolls and have him shoot floaters and stuff. Um, I mean, he's better at that than certainly Delhi, right? <laughs> like if your if your argument is like Delhi has to run a pick and roll and take a shot, or Derrick Rose has to run a pick and roll and take a shot, like in that sense, I'll definitely take yeah. Derrick Rose. He is he is better at that. I think he was seventy maybe 70 something percentile in pick and roll finishing last year. So, I mean, he, he's obviously that's an area where, um, his skill set still works. Um, he wasn't a really good ISO player last year, which kind of surprised me a little bit, just given that, you know, he did score and he's a horrible spot up guy. Um, so yeah, I think the argument would be, um, you know, he carries second units. You try to split him up from Giannis as much as possible. You do not want him and Giannis, I think on the court at the same time. Um, and you just sort of let him, because because that's the thing like off ball Derrick Rose like why that's it's a waste like nobody respects his shot for good reason um you know he he you if you have him on the court you kind of like have to give him the ball um 
So, and he's going to want the ball, right? Like I have no illusion that he's, he's not going to want the ball. So, um, so I think that's the best case scenario is that, you know, he maybe becomes a little more efficient. Um, you know, again, I don't really trust, trust the Bucks coaching staff to like disabuse him of taking tons and tons of mid range shots. Um, you know, he hit 13 out of 16 shots in that one Bucks game last year where it sounded like the Bucks actually were just daring him to shoot mid range jumpers. And he, he did, and he actually made a ton of them. So, you know, again, using the Doc Rivers theory, um, maybe that's why Jason Kidd is, believes in Derrick Rose. He was but, like 13 for 16 that game, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he, he couldn't miss, right? Which, again, isn't isn't <laughs> is not not representative generally of, of what he does. But I think that's that that would be the argument. Um, and you know that that he is sort of that that Greg Monroe type guy, but a point guard basically. Um, and he embraces that, and he keeps his you know keeps his head down. That being near his family in Chicago, um, you know, levels him out. And, you know, he's a guy that he's kind of interesting because, I mean, he's been a guy who's been like, I think, you know, he played in played in his hometown for so long. And then going to Chicago or New York, it sounded like he had homesickness. It sounded like when he went AWOL and didn't tell anybody, it might have been he or at least he said it was something related to family stuff. So I, I you know, again, and that seems to be part of the interest why he would want to come to Milwaukee, obviously, is, is trying to be closer to um trying to be closer to to family so you know again is that a thing that that really helps him you know again if he signed you would have to hope that that would be the case but um but yeah and then the key part if you get derrick rose you pay him very little money because to be honest like again i think you're bidding against yourself if if you try to go clear a bunch of room in order to offer him like you know close to the full mid-level because that's the thing too like the bucks there's no scenario where the bucks are going to clear enough room to to offer him more than the mid-level the the non-taxpayer mid-level which again for them based on the sterling brown deal would be you know they would only have like seven and a half or so 7.6 something like that left so i don't really see a scenario where the bucks can even offer him any more than that and you know i also don't think rose wants to i don't know if rose would even want to sign a multi-year deal maybe like a one plus one player option that would probably be his ideal scenario just because again I don't think Derek Rose sits at home thinking I'm going to be lucky to make $5 million for the next three years. I'm sure he's sitting at home thinking, I can't believe nobody wants to pay me $15, $20 million. I'm going to go, if I have to sign for less money this year, I'm going to go out and prove people wrong. And then I'm going to go get a big contract next summer, which again, I I don't believe that's going to happen. But, um, you know, that would also be one of the kind of upside scenarios is that he hopefully would not, you know, sign a four-year contract or something like that so um but again even a one plus one player option um you know again we're talking about best case in the event he signs like best case is he signs a one-year deal um i don't know it it's i'm I'm done with the best case scenario anything else we missed i don't think so let's go to bucks summer league the bucks had their final summer league game on friday they lost it it was ugly it did not look good. Um, I'm trying to think of other words to sum it up. It was just a bad game. Not that summer league basketball isn't inherently bad, but that was especially bad for a uh, summer league basketball game, and the Bucks did not look good. But let's go to, uh, I guess, I think some of the danger with summer league is obviously just trying to confirm things that you want to see. Like if you want to think, DJ Wilson is going to be fine. You're going to look for things that 
prove to you that DJ Wilson is fine. If you like Sterling Brown a lot, you're going to do the same thing. If you want to think Rashad Vaughn can be a contributor, you're going to do that. Um, same thing with Bronson Koenig and Jalen Moore. Like you're going to look for those things. And I guess I'm just going to try to sum up some of my thoughts from Summer League. I think after watching Summer League, I was. I mean, the hope would be that DJ Wilson is a a stretch big and can shoot from three. And I think I saw enough during Summer League to be convinced of that and to confirm that. And again, like I said, I was looking to confirm that. So um, maybe that that plays into that as well. But I, I do think his shot appears to be real from three. He does not appear afraid to take it. It seems to be a a quick enough release that he's going to be able to find space and, and get to spots and be able to shoot that. And obviously we saw him pick and pop a lot, which was nice. Um, Cause in the past we've seen some, some bigs not pick and pop. Obviously we were talking about Don maker last year where he was just rolling and rolling and rolling when really he should have been a pick and pop guy from, from the start. So that was good with DJ Wilson. Um, Sterling Brown might've been even more impressive than I thought he was going to be. I, I, all I was really thinking about, with him was okay can he catch and shoot threes and do I think he can play some defense and he was good on defense and he also was getting to the basket he was making plays he was flashing some athleticism um I generally I was I was quite pleased with just about everything I saw from Sterling Brown and I I think you could kind of see why he received such rave reviews going into the draft and why so many draft guys loved him as a second round pick um so that was that was kind of my thoughts on those two um Rashad Vaughn it was good in this last game to see him continue to shoot it as confidently as he was shooting it um (laughs) obviously uh, a bunch of them didn't go in but that was something that I think he struggled with that there would just be times where essentially he would play last year and you're in the game to catch and shoot like that's your job you're supposed to space the floor and he would catch and pump fake and then take one dribble and then get himself into trouble and not really do anything and uh, again he struggled in this last game but he was still playing with conviction that I don't think we've really seen from him and again that's obviously a huge stretch for me to say that this guy that's in his third summer league appearance was playing with conviction and that's the positive that I take from it obviously that that probably speaks to his overall play but I guess to me that was actually a step forward that we have seen him play with more confidence and conviction um so we'll see if that carries into the regular season and if that means anything like his three-point shooting wasn't all that much better um than it was during the regular season obviously he had a couple nice games and I think game two and game three with like a 31 and a 21 and hitting a bunch of threes and hitting some shots so like that existed and we haven't really seen a lot of that uh but obviously some of the bad stuff with Rashad Vaughn still existed as well um and do we want to I guess we we talked about a little bit on Twitter yesterday uh with Koenig and Moore Koenig really struggled throughout summer league looked like he wasn't able to handle the quickness at all um didn't shoot particularly well I mean he just can't generally he just can't find space for a shot like that's and I mean that's that's a big problem so uh we'll see if that gets any better um if he gets more comfortable with the speed of the game if he figures out how to use his skills a little bit better um we'll have to see if he can do that but coming out of summer league yeah I think you'd feel way more confident about Jalen Moore than Bronson Koenig um Moore I think ends up 
close to 40, 45% from three. Um, 43, yeah, 43%. By the end of Summer League. So uh, going into Summer League, you heard, okay, 6'8 guy, flashed some athleticism, was a good score at Utah State, and ended up shooting 42.5% from three last year, I think 38 or 39 for his career at Utah State. So I think the idea was, okay, this is – a six-eight wing that can shoot the three and hopefully play defense. Um, I'm not sure he has quite the quickness you would want out of a wing guy. Um, but again, this is—I get—I don't want to say high-level basketball, but this is kind of his first look at NBA basketball. So uh, I, like, like you said yesterday, <laughs> there's there's a lot more optimism in the Jalen Moore camp than there would be in the Bronson Koenig camp uh, after summer league, and I think that just about covers. Thon, I don't – I mean, he played two games. He didn't look particularly good. I said at the time that I don't think Summer League basketball is necessarily a, a good place for Thon to be just because he kind of needs someone to create open looks for him. And it would probably help if guys were more comfortable defensively. Like, I'd, I'm okay with throwing it out mainly because I don't want to think about bad things for Thon, uh, but also I, I just don't think that's a good venue for him. Yeah, I think I mean the thing the concern with Thon is you know he looked worse offensively this summer than he did a year ago, right? I mean didn't get any offensive rebounds in two games, shot 22 percent, uh, you know hit hit two out of eight threes, so no real signs of of growth offensively. And I think that's that's always been our reservation sort of around you know the sort of Thon optimism um, is is that offensively it doesn't look like he necessarily just has the more dynamic skill set needed to to be more than just sort of you know the spot up shooter which is hugely valuable at his size and and then maybe like a garbage man type guy um you know haven't really seen rim running from him any sort of proclivity for that you know good hands haven't really seen seen that um at this point and and you know having good hands isn't necessarily something you just like develop so i think again the lack of progress offensively was the downside defensively we saw especially in that second game you know Again, he, he's got tools that just guys don't have typically. Um, and again, as long as he continues to get stronger, uh, can hold his own on the defensive boards, having a guy who can do what he does defensively and, and also space the floor a bit offensively, if, if that is indeed for real, hopefully it is, um, then that's a hugely valuable thing. Um, Rashad, I mean, I was happy to see him have those kind of couple big games, happy to see him be able to attack the rim a little bit, get to the paint. Um you know, score at the rim rather than just shooting kind of t- contested jump shots. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me, like you said, it, it's it's really a confidence question. Like, it, can this be a springboard for feeling like he's confident going into camp and uh, can prove that you know he deserves to have his option picked up, deserves to you know be an NBA player in the long term? That, that's probably the most important thing. I don't know if you know again. I don't know if we saw like clear skill development but um but obviously the part of getting the rim stuff was most interesting um as far as um gary payton as well like gary i mean he worked hard i mean three 3.2 steals in four games um you know we saw kind of like the weird goodness about him we also saw you know the downside Uh, you know he's just not a guy who's comfortable shooting jump shots like you said i mean does he have a role on the bucks as a as a player in the rotation I, i don't really see it um does he have a guy who, you know, is he a guy who you might keep as uh, a guy who'll just work his ass off in practice? And, um, you know, who knows? You, you take that, like, long shot chance that maybe he gets a bit better, more comfortable shooting jump shots. That would be the argument. But, yeah, I mean, he feels 
feels more like a D leaguer, you know, a guy who'll probably spend a lot of time in the, in the with the Wisconsin herd if if he is indeed kept with the Bucks or or again he could be, um, you know, if they, if they waive him in camp and he can't get an NBA contract, he would go to the herd if he plays in the D league, even if he's not under contract with the Bucks, so they could still at least keep their eye on him. Um, and as far as the rookies go, yeah, I mean Sterling Brown, I thought you know shot forty percent from three, um, got steals. I mean he had four blocks or sorry five blocks in five games. Um, he did kind of little things. I think he showed you know, ability to make the right pass. Um, I think he's definitely got to kind of keep an eye on. Uh, certainly a guy that would it would not shock me at all if if he you know beats out Rashad Vaughn for for you know wing minutes uh, this season even. You know he's a rookie and you can't expect huge things. You can't just pencil him in to be the next Malcolm Brockton. But uh, but I thought that you know kind of confirmed some of the the reasons why people were optimistic about him after he was picked. DJ uh, um, Wilson. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked comfortable doing what we kind of want him to do, which is being like a pick and pop type guy. Um, you know, as much as he has, you know, he's interesting. He has those wing skills. He's comfortable bringing the ball up. I think he has pretty solid passing instincts. Um, you know, pretty good decision making. You know, only four turnovers in five games. Uh, I think that speaks to similar to what he did in at Michigan. You know, a guy who tends to you know play within himself, make good decisions, um, but also you know a guy who isn't dynamic off the dribble. Because he's pretty much he's a pretty good ball handler for his size, but then it pretty much just only some fadeaway jump shots it seems, <laughs> and he doesn't draw fouls right. Only eight free throws in five games, so um, so I think he has a chance. I mean, it'll be interesting to see, right? I mean, I think he can definitely give certainly Mirza Toledovich if he doesn't improve uh, from what he did last year. You know, you would certainly feel like DJ Wilson would have a chance to to see some minutes this year, whether that's consistent minutes. You know, again, Jason Kidd obviously likes to work guys in at, at times, and um, you know, t- tend to give guys shots, but. Also, um, I don't think DJ Wilson's going to play 20 minutes per game as a rookie or anything like that. So, um, so I don't know. You know, kind of a typical Buck Summer League. They win one game, which is what they always do. Um, they don't look. I don't know. They just don't look as good at others as other teams. Um, I think. I think you know the for the D League guys, uh, like you said. I mean, Jalen Moore. He shot some threes. I don't know. He looks like he could be an NBA ish athlete like he doesn't look overwhelmed at least compared to like Koenig who, who clearly seemed to struggle at times I was glad to see Koenig get some pick and roll opportunities yesterday because that was the thing he was playing off ball mostly yeah and you know I think to, to be valuable I mean he's gonna have to do more than just run around and, and spot up and and shoot you know off screens and things like that like he has to be able to handle the ball a bit and get to spots um he did that a little bit um in the second half of the game yesterday which was <laughs> Steven Zimmerman Oh man, um, the, his hands in finishing uh, not great, not not great. We, and that wasn't just for Koenig. Like, there was a couple for Koenig yesterday where he made some nice pocket passes, and Steven Zimmerman just I don't know what he was doing. Um, but in other games too, like there was one really nice finish that Steven Zimmerman had on a pocket pass, and I think it was one of his like first games in summer league, and I was like. Oh, okay. Like this is going to be really nice for for GP or for the Glove Junior for Bronson Koenig, like all these guys. Like this is going to be really nice for them. And then it was not. All right. Yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Maybe the Bucks blew those those uh, two way contracts. We'll see. We don't know. Um, but anyway, I got to run. We'll have lots more next week to to digest, and hopefully, we won't have too many more emergency podcasts. At least that's my hope. <laughs> All right, sounds good. That was Frank Madden. I'm Eric Name. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you next week.